Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Four String Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Brady, with my co-host, Mitch. No Skyler today. A um, little whiner had to go to nationals for something. Um, so it's just going to be the OG here. Uh, Mitch, how are you doing this fine Saturday morning? Um, I'm doing pretty good. I was really excited to watch those planned uh, games. I don't know what the hell LeBron's talking about, but those are some of the best games uh, I've seen. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the, the six playing games were, they were all just solid competition. Like the only one that I, I can't even realistically say that any of them were bad because the Cavs came back against the Nets, the Clippers and the Timberwolves were mano mano the entire time. Um, the only one that was kind of, I, I think maybe just a sleeper was Pelican Spurs. Uh, but even then the Spurs, you know, made a comeback. They made the game competitive there for a while. Yeah. So um uh, but the plan was fantastic. And, and uh, so today's episode, we're going to be uh, talking about the uh, playoff matchups. We have our matchups set up for the first round of the NBA playoffs, East and West. Uh, we're going to be going over our predictions of what we think the individual teams are going to need to do to uh, win their respective series here. But to start off here, uh, as if this wasn't already just a great sports year, for the first time in NBA history, both the Lakers and Spurs missed the playoffs. It had never happened before in NBA history. I'm upset that it happened to the Spurs because I love pop, but the fact that the two two of the most powerhouse franchises um, in uh, professional basketball missed the playoffs. Meanwhile, predominant sleepers like uh, the Pelicans, the Grizzlies, the Suns are all are all in there. The Bulls have made a comeback into the playoffs. The Hawks eke their way in over a Cavs team that I don't think anybody should be upset that the Cavs didn't make the playoffs. Um, but let's start first off with that play-in tournament just very quickly. So <clears throat> the uh, Pelicans beat the Clippers last night with no Paul George. Um, although, granted, would playoff Paul have done anything effective? Who knows? Um, but the uh, Pelicans beat the Clippers um, in Los Angeles to take on or to uh, hold on to the eighth seed. Um, the, uh, Hawks come from behind in Cleveland to beat, uh, the Cavaliers who had just gotten Jared Allen back, uh, to, uh, move on as the eighth seed in the East. They'll take on the, uh, heat, uh, who had the one seed there, but, uh, just very quickly taking a look at the teams who were in the play-in that didn't make it Clippers, Cavs, Spurs, uh, and who's the other team Clippers, Cavs, Spurs. Clippers, Cavs, Spurs, um, oh, Hornets. Hornets, yeah. Sorry. Those four teams who didn't make it. Uh, Mitch, which one do you think has the, the highest upside? Which do you think is putting themselves in the best position to succeed next year? I definitely think it has to be Cleveland just because of what they've showed and the opponents that they played. I think, like, overall, they probably played the best teams that were in the plan. Oh, yeah. You know, going from playing the Brooklyn Nets – and being very close. And I don't know if you saw the stat uh, during the Cavs uh, Hawks game, but it said they were the fourth best defense. And then when Jared Allen went out, they dropped all the way down to 22nd. So I, I have to think of Jared Allen was playing in the game. They beat the Nets. Um, and it was a pretty close game with the Hawks until Trey Young decided to be Trey Young. Um, so I think they're just a really young team. And now that they got this play in playoff experience, um, I think the sky's the limit for them. Yeah. Um, I mean, the 
the Hornets, it's hard to wrap my head around, right? They got crushed by the Hawks in that, in that play in game. So that was, I apologize for what I said earlier. That was the only game that was a little bit of a snooze fest, but it's still good that you got guys like ball and miles bridges. You got them playoff experience. It was a one and done situation, but you got them playoff experience. You know, that was a huge storyline talking about the Timberwolves Clippers game where D'Angelo Russell, uh, Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Edwards, your core of your team had, I think, collectively five games of playoff experience um, walking into that playing game. Like I like Patrick Beverly had played 56 career playoff games. Like you had that experience there, but now those younger guys are just going to get better at it. Um, I'll agree with you with the Cavs. I mean, the easy answer is the Clippers, right? You get a healthy Kawhi Leonard next year. You get a healthy Paul George Mm -hmm. next year. The Clippers are going to be perfectly fine, but the Cavs are the team that I think you have to, you absolutely have to watch because unlike the, uh, the bulls in the same division there, um, the Cavs haven't really built their team around anything more than draft and development and the occasional trade. Right. Uh, Meanwhile, the bulls haven't really drafted anybody who's in their starting lineup and have signed them all through free agency or trading. Uh, what four out of five guys in their starting lineup weren't on the team last year or weren't on the team two years ago, something like that. Um, Yeah. So I'm interested to see how the Cavs do this because in the NBA, we don't see a huge amount of draft and development team wide. You'll see it with individual players, but one key reason for the Bucks success for the 76ers success for the, uh, sorry, not the 76ers for the Celtics success is that draft and development. And I think that the Cavs are putting themselves in a really strong position to do that. Um, in the years going forward here, but uh, the uh, Cavs end up not making it, um, which is like, we have to sit there and talk about, this was a Cavs team that was only projected to win, I think 36, 32 games last year. Um, And I completely agree with you that, that if Jared Allen had stayed healthy, this is a Cavs team that probably could have snuck its way up into the six seed or even higher in the playoffs and wouldn't have even needed to to get into the play in tournament. Meanwhile, you've got a Hawks team, that looks almost impossible to beat on a one-off, but can't seem to string together consistent success, you know? Um, but let's move on here over to our first series. We're going to start off in the East when Trey Young and the Hawks will move, uh, will head down to Miami to take on Jimmy Butler and the Miami Heat. Uh, the Heat, the one seed uh, for the first time since the big three era in Miami. Um Thing to keep uh, keep in mind, the three times in their franchise history or the two times prior to this in their franchise history that the Heat won 56 game, or 55 games in a season, they won the NBA championship. So there's strong history there that the Heat are the team to beat in the East. Uh, but taking a look at that, Mitch, uh, first let's start off with your uh, breakdown here. Uh, Heat versus Hawks, what do the Heat have to do to win this series? Um, honestly, I think they just have to play big because I think that's been the biggest weakness of the Hawks. And we saw it last year again in the Eastern Conference Finals. I think a really big reason why we were able to beat them, um, especially without Giannis, is just because of the size advantage. And especially now that, uh, you know, John Collins has been out for most of the, the second part of the year and he won't be in this playoffs. And now with Clint Capella, Hopper extending his knee, who's going to be the big guy who's going to like, defend uh Bamai DeBio. So I think the Heat just have to play with size and toughness because the Hawks really don't have the personnel to deal with that. So I think that's what the Heat really have to do. No, I agree absolutely. Um for for the Heat, it's it's simple. You just you have to play big. Listen, 
uh, Bam Adebayo is we're not doing our awards this episode, but Bam Adebayo is my favorite for defensive player of the year. Um, we watched how dominant he was against Giannis in the play-in tournament two years ago. Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero have had resurgent seasons after off years last year. The addition of Kyle Lowry to this Heat team, I think, doesn't get talked about enough. He's been absolutely fantastic. And Jimmy Butler is a dog. Like, Jimmy Butler is going to go out. He's going to get his points. He's going to give you everything that he can. And it's going to be difficult for you to get past that at all. The Clint Capella injury definitely hurts Miami, but I don't know if it fully helps the Heat. um, Because the Heat's identity is defensive. Right. This is a Heat team. This is a Heat team that was fourth best in NBA uh, defensive rating, third best in points allowed. A couple of weeks ago, they held the Celtics to 98 points, which was their lowest total as a franchise since 2013. It's fucking ridiculous. Um, this is a strong, defensive-minded uh, Heat team that is built to be successful offensively, but that's not where their bread and butter is. Um, if you're the Heat, I agree with Mitch completely. You got to play big. Um, just keep the ball moving because the Hawks suck on defense. There's just no doubt about that. So keep the ball moving. You're going to get the open looks that you want. Um, and, and it should be a walkaway series for the heat. Uh, there, there's not a ton of reason to believe on paper that this shouldn't be a walkaway, walkaway series for them, but let's move over to the Hawks. The Hawks who had a magical run last season, made it all the way to the uh, Eastern conference finals, and had a what a 2-0 lead on the Bucks in the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, yeah, that sounds right. Uh, uh, with uh, with an injured Giannis had a 2-0 lead, but they ended up blowing it. So the the Hawks kind of limp their way into the postseason, into the play-in, and then win two pretty big games. Right, uh, beat uh, Charlotte at home, head on the road, and beat a very solid Cavs team that had gotten healthier with the addition of uh, Jared Allen. But Mitch, if you're the Hawks. Is this series winnable? What do you have to do to win this series here? I feel like for what they need to do, they just don't have because of the injuries right now. Because I think what made them so dangerous last year um, is how they played. Is Trey Young was amazing. He could hit it from any spot on the floor, like a Steph Curry, like a Kyrie, like a Kevin Durant. And then they also had that pick and roll with them, you know, whether it was him lobbing it up to John Collins or Clint Capella and really killing it in the paint. But without that big man, I think it barely severely hinders what they can do. And what we've seen with Trey Young, you know, taking that the Hornets game was a blowout eventually. But I think, you know, Trey Young has got to start faster. I mean, we saw with the Cavs, I mean, he had a horrible first half. And then in the second half, he decided to be that guy. And with a team like the Heat, um, I don't think you can have a slow start. They're going to have to be perfect. And I just don't know if they have the personnel to be able to win this series for what they need to do to play their best ball. No, I agree. Absolutely. Um, the, the heat, the Hawks have a chance. There's no doubt about that. Trey young is, is one of those players that could put up 50 points in seven consecutive games in this series to keep it competitive. Right. Yeah. Trey Young has to start faster, but I'm I'm not necessarily worried about Trey Young. He's gonna get his points. He's gonna get his assists. He's gonna get his um, you know, his rebounds. He just has to shoot more effectively. I think uh, four four of eleven from the three point line against the Cavs and uh, against the Hawks, he was 
one of seven. So in the two playoff games, he's five of 18 from the three-point line. You have to be more efficient than that if you're going to win the game here. What I will say about the Hawks is that even if Clint Capella and John Collins aren't available for game one or even game two, they still have a lineup that can win. I, uh, that can win. I like that uh, Ogwangu guy that they have. Not a huge score, but really solid board man. I think that he can help offensively and defensively um, against the Heat. He's not going to be able to contain Bam Adebayo, but he can he can frustrate him, you know. Um, but it's going to come down to guys like Bogdanovich, Herter, and uh, Danilo Gallinari to win this series for the Hawks. Trey Young is going to get his points, but especially – I highlight it every time we talk about the Hawks. Danilo Gallinari has to play like he's worth the fucking money that he's been paid throughout his NBA career. It's as simple as that. He has to be effective at the three-point line. He's got to go in and get some boards. He's got to be that stretch forward that the Hawks are going to desperately need if Capella and Collins can't play in this game. For Bogdanovich, I like him coming off of the bench, and I think that the Heat, who no longer have guys like Goran Dragic who are going to be coming off of the bench for them, I think that is going to be where the Hawks are going to have their moments to get back into games is when the starters are resting. But that means that Bogdanovich has to play really, really well. And we saw in those series against the Bucs that when they won games, Bogdanovich was playing really well. And when they lost games, Bogdanovich wasn't playing very well. Um, so it's winnable for the Hawks, but it's going to come down to Trey Young's efficiency and how much production are you going to get out of your other three guys in Herder, Gallinari, and Bogdanovich throughout the game. Um, so let's uh, give quick prediction here. Best of seven series, Mitch. Um Skyler is taking the uh, – hold on, let me get his picks pulled up here again. Uh, Skyler is taking the Heat in five games. Who are you taking? Yeah, on one of the rare occasions, I'm going to agree with Skyler. I have the Heat in five. Um, like you said, I think Trey Young is one of those guys who's good enough to get you at least one game just by himself. Um, but – I think with the injuries to their big men, it's going to hurt them. And one key mismatch when looking at the stats is the Heat this season have been number one in three-point offense, while the Hawks' three-point defense, 26th best in the league. And with that kind of mismatch where you can't stop them shooting, especially when a Tyler Hero, you know, who's been amazing off the bench, who can put up points in a hurry, when a Kyle Lowry, who's good at shooting threes, um, you know, Duncan Robinson, when he's feeling himself, it's going to be hard for him to defend. So I'm going to go with the Heat in five. You're going to go with the Heat in five. I struggle with especially three-point defense as a stat because the Bucks are the worst in the NBA at it, and yet the Bucks are a title favorite. You know, like, it's it's hard for me to, to look at that. What stat I do like, the Atlanta Hawks have the second-best offensive rating in NBA uh, uh, in – basketball last year Trey Young led the league in both points scored and assists for the first time since I believe 1967 was the year um, but somebody could double check me on that I'm going to take the heat in six I think the Hawks are going to be able to actually pull out two wins um, I think that Atlanta is a tough place to play in and if Trey Young can get that crowd going it's going to be difficult but I think the Hawks are going to win a road game Trey Young is really good at silencing the other team's crowds um and it, Miami is a strong place to play in. There's no doubt about that. But if Trey Young can get hot, if he can get sizzling, they can pull off some wins. I think in the end, defense is going to win this championship. But if there's one thing that I know about basketball, it's that defense doesn't win championships like it does in football or like it does in baseball or in a lot of other sports. You have to have the offensive production to go with there. 
to go with it. And so I would rather take a team that is damn good on offense and maybe bad on defense than a team that is good on defense and maybe so-so on offense. But I am going to take the Heat in six. Let's move on to our uh, two-seven series, the one that uh, I know Skyler is definitely looking forward to. He's picking the Celtics in five to beat Kyrie Irving and the Nets. Mitch, let's start off with the Nets. What do the Nets have to do to win this series? Honestly, I think they – I think, this, you know, Katie, Kyrie, obviously, they're going to get theirs. But I think what kind of propelled them to getting that playoff spot, especially against a Cavs team who really exceeded expectation, was that people stepped up, whether it was Andre German who was getting into the paint um, or it was Bruce Brown who was doing what Bruce Brown does, is playing defense and being that guy. Um <clears throat> I think that would really hurt them, especially in that Bucks Nets series last year, is that obviously they were down a guy and now they're going to have healthy Kyrie. It's, it was just that the role players weren't consistently showing up. Like Blake Griffin had that amazing one game, and yeah. that was the reason why they were able to win. But after that game went away, he really didn't do anything. So I think for the Nets, um, especially with it just being Kyrie and uh, – Katie and, you know, Ben Simmons could come back, but who knows? I think it's just really up to the bench and the other players to consistently step up for them. No, I agree. Um, The key matchup in this game is going to be Jason Tatum versus Kevin Durant. Like, and, and, and even Jalen Brown versus Kevin Durant, like the Kevin Durant is, he's a different breed and Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are great players. And I think that they can get to Kevin Durant's level, but they're not at Kevin Durant's level right now. I'd say that they're like at early years OKC Kevin Durant level, like 2000, like right before he left to go to the Warriors. Um, mm-hmm. But they're not at they're not at easy money sniper uh, Kevin Durant level at the moment. Kyrie Irving had an amazing game against the the Cavs, but there's no reason for me to believe he's going to shoot that effectively against the Celtics. He started what 12 of 12 or 11 of 11, something like that. Um, to start the game out. Um, yeah. But it, this is also one of those storylines, man. Kyrie Irving playing the team that kind of ran him out of town. Um, also, fasting for Ramadan during this entire situation. I didn't know that until watching the Cavs Nets game that he played that entire game while fasting, uh, which is absolutely insane uh, that he played that effectively. I agree with you. There's a couple of matchups that are going to be very key for the Nets here. I need good performance out of Andre Drummond. I need good performance out of Bruce Brown. But I also look at that. There's two guards that they have sitting on their bench in Goran Dragic and Patty Mills. And those are two very good guards who didn't get a ton of playing time in that game against the Cavs. But if push comes down to shove and you need that bench offensive production, we've seen that both of those guys can do it and can do it really effectively. Goran Dragic's Goran Dragic has the ability to take over the playoffs the way that he did in the bubble a few years ago, the way that we as Bucks fans were so worried he was going to do in the playoffs last year in that first series. Um, this is a winnable series for the Nets. There's no doubt about that, but it's going to come down to the product, the production of your, uh, of Bruce Brown and Andre Drummond and, the bench production of Goran Dragic and Patty Mills. Um, I'm also very curious to see how Steve Nash coaches in his first series. 
And the additional storyline is, is that we might get Ben Simmons for this series. Uh, talks are he could return anywhere from game four to game six. So it would be later on. There's a chance the series could be over before he could play. But that could change things. If we get into a game four or a game five and we're at a split series or we're at a 3-1 series, it could just mean that things are a little bit different, whether that's good or bad. Like, I mean, that is in the cell, the Nets could be up three games to one and Ben Simmons gets in and they blow the rest of the series as equally as vice versa. But let's talk about the Celtics. Mitch, what do the Celtics have to do to, uh, to win this series 34 and 12 after uh, or to close the season out, got up into the two C they were a floundering team for most of the year, but use some of those long breaks really to get themselves back on track. What do the Celtics have to do to beat the Nets? I think really all they have to do is just play their brand of basketball. Um, this year, the Celtics had the number one defense in the league. And I think that's really a key reason why they're able to get hot uh, later in the year and able to get that number two seed after being like in the play in like bubble uh, like territory for, you know, the majority of the year, um, as long as they do that. And then they have the offense to match it because they have the 12th best offense in the league this year and second point differential, as long as they play their brand of basketball and, and able to show up with defense and offense, whether it is in Brooklyn or at home, I think they'll be just fine. No, absolutely. Um, listen, Marcus Smart is a Defensive Player of the Year nominee. Uh, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are are solid, and I've watched this Celtics bench do a lot with some very like questionable players, guys that you just really haven't heard of coming in and and making some serious pro- uh, production for them. Um, but. This is going to be the first time, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but this this might be the first series since the bubble, and maybe only like the third series in general, that Brown, Tatum, and Smart are all healthy for a playoff series for the Celtics. Um, yeah, that sounds about right. You know, because of some of those just dueling injuries that they had. Now, I think Mar- I don't think Marcus Smart has ever missed a playoff series, but you had Jalen Brown, who was hurt for uh, a couple of series. You had Jason Tatum, who wasn't 100%. Um, the Celtics have – they still have big men. Uh, Al Horford is uh, predicted to go full go. Daniel Tice has been solid for them. But not having Grant Robert Williams. Williams – yeah, yeah, Grant Williams. But not having Robert Williams, who's just been a really solid player. And credit to Skyler, he's been talking about how solid Robert Williams is for the last, like, two years now. Um, but not having Robert Williams is going to be big. Luckily, than any Celtics player. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. Um, you're right. Um, luckily, the yeah. Nets don't have a ton of product. They don't get a ton of production from their big men. You know, Andre Drummond doesn't produce a ton. Blake Griffin doesn't produce a ton uh, if he even plays. Um, uh, Claxton doesn't uh, produce a ton. Um, so there's going to be – there's that's a definite weakness for the Celtics, but it's not an inherent advantage for the Nets. Um for the Celtics, man, you have to stay healthy. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown need to average 30 points, eight rebounds, eight assists a game probably. Marcus Smart needs to be that solid defensive player who's going to harass Kyrie Irving up and down the court because that's the matchup that's going to matter there. Kyrie Irving versus Marcus Smart in the uh, in the open court where Kyrie Irving is going to try to dribble around everybody and Marcus Smart is one of the best lockdown oh, defenders. Um, so much fun. 
it's going to be, it's going to be absolutely insane to watch, but, but the Celtics can win this game. If they, if you just get the production that you're supposed to get out of your all-stars, like, I know that that's, that sounds uh, like a non-revolutionary thing. Like that's what everybody says, but you have to get that production. We've seen it with how many playoff teams where they have all these guys, they've got a Giannis and a Middleton and a Bledsoe, or they've got a LeBron and AD and a Russ, or they've got a Dame Lillard and a CJ McCollum, or they've got like the list can go on and on and on, but you have to get production out of those guys. And it's not good enough anymore to just get 20 points and a couple of rebounds and a couple assists. You have to become dominant on offense when the playoffs come. And it's something that I just don't think we've seen out of the Celtics really throughout the 10, the, uh, the careers of Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, but uh, Skyler is taking the Celtics in five. Mitch, who are you taking? I said it right after I watched that Nets game. I'm going to go with Celtics in six um, for a couple of reasons. The one I, we talked about a little bit earlier, but they'll have Jalen Brown this time around. And if you remember last year, Jason Tatum by himself was able to beat a healthy, and I mean healthy, Kyrie Irving, James Harden, Kevin Durant by putting down 50. And now that he's going to have Jalen Brown this time around, I think that's going to be huge. Um, and watching the Nets play the Cavs, who, you know, they're an up-and-coming and they're not the defensive team that the Celtics have been. The Nets had 14 turnovers and 20 personal fouls. Uh, and they're going to go against the best defense in the league uh, this year. I think that's really bad. And I think we're – it's predicted that Robert Williams, according to Skyler, is going to be coming back earlier. So maybe in that Ben Simmons time frame. So I think that's going to help. And to me, I don't think that Ben Simmons coming back is really going to do anything at all. Because you're talking about a guy who we last seen was afraid to take a shot because he's afraid to go to the foul line. And he's somehow going to come back and help you, especially when he hasn't played a meaningful second with Kevin Durant or Kyrie at all. You know, it just doesn't make sense to me that everyone's like banking on like, oh, Ben Simmons is going to be the savior when he comes back. Um, and a big thing for the Nets is they're great offensively, but they suck at defense. Um, and, you know, like you said, you don't have to be defenses when you championships, but you at least have to be average in it. Mm-hmm. And the Nets aren't consistently average at defense. So I think that's going to really bite them in the ass yet again. So I'm going to go Celtics and six Celtics and six. Um, I'm, I'm going to agree with you and I'm going to say Celtics and six. Um, I, the Celtics to me have way more upside than the Nets do, but the Nets are going to make this a competitive series. It's, it's so difficult for me to pick against the Nets because I, I even this, this is a Nets team that has such a tendency to play to the level of competition that it's it's kind of insane. They don't dominate when they should dominate. They should have crushed the Cavaliers. The Cavaliers are a good team. They should have crushed the Cavaliers. They won by what, six points? And yeah. mostly because the Cavs just got into foul trouble really late in the game. But you hit it right on the head. 20 personal fouls, 14 turnovers. I'd be curious as to how many of those turnovers were just them stepping on the out-of-bounds line because that seemed to happen like six times in that game. It was absolutely insane. You can't make those mistakes. But... This isn't a one-off game. This is a full series. And Kevin Durant, we saw last year against the Bucs, right? 
Uh, Kyrie Irving, not healthy. James Harden, drastically not healthy. And Kevin Durant wills the Nets to keeping that competitive, um, uh, to staying in those games even after they had blown the lead. And I said it a couple weeks ago, uh, but if Kevin Durant wears one shoe size smaller, the Nets go to the, fi- the, the conference finals. Like that's how close the Nets were to winning that series. Um, so I, I fully expect the Nets to play up to level of competition. I fully expect the Nets to walk into Boston and actually win maybe one or maybe both of, uh, of their si- of their two uh, wins in, in that six game series. But I think the Celtics just have more of an upside. And if you can get, solid production out of Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, and you get the defensive play out of Marcus Smart that we all expect, there's no reason to believe that the Celtics won't win this series in the long run. I think they're going to be able to outlast them. Exactly. I think they're going to be able to outlast the Nets. Um, I I agree with you that Ben Simmons coming back, you know, might be worse for the Nets than it would be better for the Nets. Um, Just given the fact that they haven't played together, that the last time we saw Ben Simmons play, he couldn't hit a free throw against the Wizards in the playoffs. Um, it turned Hacka Shack turned into Hacka Simmons. Um, and it was really just quite upsetting to, to watch. It's been more upsetting to watch Ben Simmons play the last couple of years than it ever was. Um, but uh, we'll all take the Celtics to move on here. So let's move on to our 3 6 matchup where the Milwaukee Bucks, reigning NBA champion, will take on the upstart Chicago Bulls, who at various times this season were the two seed, were the one seed, were up there for the higher seeds, ended up falling down to six, but led by guys like DeMar DeRozan, uh, uh, Nikola Vujovic. I'll have you, okay? Okay. Um, and some of those other uh, solid players, uh, Alex the Bald Eagle Caruso, uh, still on the team there. Um, they'll be taking on Giannis and the reigning champions, who the Bucks swept the Bulls, perfect 4-0 this season when they played. Mitch, what do the Bulls have to do to win this series? I think for the Bulls to win this series, I think they have to play perfect basketball, um, which sounds tough, but because um, if you let the Bucks have any advantage, they're going to take it, obviously take advantage of it just because how good they are. And I think they need to exploit the Bucks' weakness, which this year has been the third quarter. Because for whatever reason, in the third quarter, the Bucks just forget how to play basketball. So if a DeMar DeRozan, a Zach Levine is able to go off and get like, you know, 15, 20 points in that quarter to really build up a lead um, and keep exploiting that, I think that they're able to win. But like I said, they're going to have to play pretty much mistake-free basketball if they want to win this series. No, I'd agree with you. Um, shout out to Zach Levine playing in his first career NBA playoff series. Um, absolutely insane for how long he's been in the league and for how solid of a player that he's been. Um, I'm not going to say that the series is unwinnable for the Bulls because it, it's absolutely winnable. DeMar DeRozan has been insane this season. Um, you've gotten good production all across your team. Uh, Vujovic is a solid player that we saw gave Bucks. Uh, some trouble in the Magic Bucks uh, playoff series two seasons ago, you know. Um, but DeMar DeRozan is not a three-point shooter. DeMar DeRozan is a mid-range two-point guy, and he's going to be going up against Chris Middleton. That's the matchup that I'm most excited to watch. DeMar DeRozan versus Chris Middleton. That's going to be 
absolutely insane. They might not actually be lining up against each other, but just in terms of how they play, their play style, their uh, effectiveness on offense, and honestly, the, the amount of disrespect they get for their defensive play, um, I think is going to be is going to be absolutely massive in this game. For the Bucks, um, or sorry, for the Bulls, Vujovic is going to have to dominate the boards. Um, he's going to have to go up against Lopez and Giannis, and that's going to be very difficult for him to be effective. But he's shown the ability to do it before. The Bulls can win this series, but they have to do something that they haven't done um, very well all season, and that's they have to win. Uh, road games. This is a 19 and 22 Bulls team on the road versus a 27 and 14 Bucks team uh, at home. The adverse to that is uh, how the Bulls play at home 27 and 14 on the season, but the Bucks are 24 and 17 on the road. The Bucks are a much better visiting team than the Bulls are. The Bulls cannot afford to get behind early in this series. They have to try to steal one in Milwaukee to keep it competitive. Um, and if you're the Bucks, you just have to try to take care of business the same way as you did against the Heats, uh, against the Heat uh, to start off the playoffs last season. You have to do it here against the Bulls. Um, I think they're going to be able to do it. But let's uh, let's talk about the Bucks here. What do the Bucks have to do to win their series? Um, I think they just have to come out of the gate uh, ready to play and play like themselves. I mean, we've seen it a couple of times. Uh, I go back to the magic series uh, a couple of years ago where they came out really slow and the magic were able to win a game. And um, I think if they just come out of the gate, playing their brand of basketball, being who they are, you know, Giannis getting his double, double Chris Middleton shooting well, drew Holiday being a good defender and able to shoot. Um, as long as they do that, they don't have to sweat it. Yeah, I agree. Um, Giannis and Lopez are going to be dominant on the, on the glass. Excuse me. Um, they're going to be dominant on the glass. Uh, can Lopez be effective from the three point line? We saw him the last game against the bulls uh, that they played. I think he put up 26 points and was highly effective from all over the court. Um, drew holiday has played like a goddamn madman since the all-star break. He's been playing absolutely fantastic. And Chris Middleton is going to get you the production that, uh, that Chris Middleton gets you on a consistent basis. He's going to get you anywhere from like 18 to 25 points minimum. He's going to get you quite a few rebounds. He's going to get you quite a few assists, but he's going to play solid defensively. Um, I I worry about the third quarter for the Bucks, but the thing about playoff basketball is that you'll get teams that will play all of their starters the entire 48 minutes. And you see that they just kind of burn out as this series goes on. We saw that with the Nets against the Bucks last season. One thing I like about the Bucs is that they keep guys like Giannis and Middleton and Lopez and Holiday on a number count. They keep them on a minute count so that they're not having to play these insane minutes over a four to seven game series. And I think that that's what's going to be beneficial. I think the Bulls have to play all, the, all their starters almost the entirety of the game. And I think the Bucs can kind of get away with a rotation there because they still got solid production out of guys like George Hill, guys like Grayson Allen. They'll be The Bucs will be fine with their bench. Um, and after last season, I, I have to be less vocal about me questioning coach Buttonholzer's choices, uh, because kind of bit us in the ass with what we were saying last year with that series, but let's talk about our final East series when the four seed Grizzlies will, I'm sorry, we have to give our predictions here. I apologize. Mitch, uh, Skyler is taking the bucks in six. What do you take? I mean, it's on brand. Uh, Yeah. 
don't it is on brand, but I don't like the pick. Um, I'm going to go with Bucks and four. Um, it's not like arrogance, not like the Bucks are a better team, though they're reigning defending champions. It's one step that I saw when doing the research. Bulls went three and 20 against the top eight in each conference. When it comes to playing good teams, that they just don't match up. And obviously the Bucks being the reigning champion, third seed in the East this year, they're a good team. Um, and I think the Lonzo Ball injury is going to hurt them. I think you know, when they have Lonzo Ball, they're definitely a better team and a different team. And without him, I think it's going to hurt them for what they want to do and what they would need to do to make this an actual series. And a key mismatch that I see is the the Bucs this year have been second in rebounding. Well, the Bulls have been 28th in rebounding. And that just means the Bucs are going to get more opportunities to score and give them more chances. Well, the Bulls are going to have the make every fucking chance they have to score count. Um, and whereas the Bucks this year have been an amazing offense, well, the defense has kind of slipped off, um, you know, with them being like 19th and three-point defense. The Bulls have been worse defensively, 26th from the field defense and 27th from three-point defense. So I'm going to go with Bucks and four. I'll split the difference because it's hard for me it's really hard for me looking at the entirety of these playoffs to pick any team to sweep another team. Um, but I'll split the difference. I'll say bucks and five. I think the, the bulls are going to be able to win at least one of their home games. Um, I know that the United center is going to be rocking for uh, playoff basketball to return to Chicago. Um, but the, the on paper, the bucks are just a much better team. Um, Mitch hit a lot of the stats on, on the head there. Um, but the other ones to kind of keep in mind, Giannis's uh, mid-range shooting percentage has gone up to uh, like north of 40% for the first time in his career. Um, he's been far more effective at the free throw line, and we no longer have to worry about fans counting at him when he's doing it. You know, like the, the, the Bucks have been, Giannis has been better, but then getting Brooke Lopez back cannot be understated as to how much of a boost that gives the Bucks offensively and defensively Lopez is going to be able to go mano a mano with Vujovic. And even if the matchup doesn't favor the bucks, you can easily flip Giannis over to Vujovic and have uh, Lopez going up against whoever the, the bulls have at their power forward at the time. Um, the, this is going to be a, this should be a, a, a stay healthy, take care of business, get some rest before the next series matchup for the bucks. But I think that the Bulls are going to give them a little bit of a run for their money. I wouldn't be surprised if this series is a lot more competitive than uh, than a clean sweep or even than a, a 4-1 uh, split goes. But I'm going to take the Bucks in five. So let's move on here to the uh, Philadelphia 76ers as they take on the Toronto Raptors, a rematch of the uh, conference finals. Was it when uh, Kawhi hit the, the shot that bounced four times before it went in? Was that the conference finals? think so it was either the conference or the semi-conference one of them yeah yeah. Like, no, it was the yeah. semi because the the but yeah they beat the bucks in the eastern conference finals um so uh so yeah a rematch of that series but with a lot of different faces uh no Kawhi leonard in toronto hasn't been there in a while no ben simmons in philadelphia 
Uh, no Kyle Lowry in Toronto. Like no it, Jimmy Butler in Philly. No Jimmy Butler in Philly. No, you know, so, uh, but Philly has James Harden. Uh, Toronto has uh, Pascal Siakam, who has not gotten enough credit for the level of play he's had this year, as well as they still got guys like Van Fleet who are very effective at, uh, at scoring. Um, so let's start out here with the uh, Raptors. Mitch, what do the Raptors have to do to win this series? Uh, somehow convinced the NBA to play all the games in Toronto. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, I think all the Raptors have to do is hold on to the momentum that they've had um, because at the beginning of the year, they looked pretty bad. And I think Nick Nurse was starting to be on some thin ice um, given how you know, they kind of fell off after winning that championship a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but they've gotten hot as of late. Um, so I think they just need to hold on to that momentum. And um, the starting lineup just has to stand up. You know, Siakam has to keep up with the momentum. Uh, Fan Vliet and Gary Trent Jr. have to be shooting well. Um, and OG just has to stay healthy because I think they're a really good team when he's healthy. Um, so I think that's what the Raptors need to do, just hold on to that momentum and be consistent. I, I, I agree. Um, uh, OG uh, Ananubi has to have a really solid series, but but this is going to ride on Pascal Siakam. Pascal Siakam is going to have to go mano a mano with Joel Embiid, and he's going to have to play better than him. He can't play at his level because, because while I don't trust James Harden, I believe that James Harden is going to produce more than Van Fleet is going to produce. And so Pascal Siakam has to make up for that. He has to outplay Joel Embiid. Simple as that. The other key thing I want to highlight is that both of these teams turn the ball over about 11 times per game. However, the Celtics or the 76ers only average about five steals per game. The Raptors average nine. If the Raptors can get into those fast break opportunities, if they can force turnovers and turn those into points, they have a real solid chance at winning this series. Um, the the Raptors are just going to need to get a lot of production from a lot of guys. This Raptors team is unlike a lot of these other teams that we've covered so far and that they don't have anybody that I would sit there and label a clear-cut superstar. Pascal Siakam is the closest, but they don't have anybody I'd label a clear-cut superstar. They have to get solid performances, 20 points per game, couple of rebounds. They got to get some double-doubles split up uh, between the, the team there out of really all four of their main starters, uh, Siakam, Van Fleet, Gary Trent Jr., OG Ananobi. Uh, but watch out for Scotty Barnes. I, I've watched a couple of Scotty Barnes games. I really like that 20-year-old kid out of Florida State. Um, I like him a lot. And the the Raptors being able to basically run a two-guard, three-forward set, I think is gonna definitely going to give the Sixers some troubles. But it's nothing that I don't think Doc Rivers can scheme through. It's just can he get the production out of his guys. Um, let's, uh, flip it over to the 76ers here. What do the 76ers have to do to win this series? Uh, motivate James Harden to give a shit, uh, convince the NBA know, to play just, all the games in Philadelphia. <laughs> yeah, basically. Um, but yeah, I, just, I don't know. It just seems like with James Harden, he just doesn't really care. It's all about padding stats and getting paid. I mean, with his comments about, you know, there's really no pressure. Why should there be pressure on me and that kind of stuff? Yeah. Um, they're we're going to have to convince this guy to actually, you know, buy in and give a shit. Um, 
because, you know, we all know the story of James Harden. He doesn't show up in the playoffs. He chokes. Um, if the 76ers are going to be able to realize their potential um, and get away with a tough series since one of their key players is going to be able to play in, you know, some of the games, James Harden is going to have to be peak James Harden where he's, you know, shooting incredibly and getting to the free throw line um, with his flops. Um, but I, I think it this team goes as far as James Harden allows them because when James Harden and Joel Embiid are on, it's tough to beat them. But if James Harden is going to continue with this really horrible shooting spell that he's had since he's been with Philly, um, it's going to be hard with just Joel Embiid willing this team. No, I agree. Absolutely. A couple of James Harden stats, uh, 21 points per game while with the 76ers, that would be his lowest since 2011 when he was with the, the Oklahoma city thunder, um, his assist numbers are solid. His rebounds are the lowest, uh, per game since 2020, his last year in Houston. Um, his, uh, his three point percentage, 32.6, uh, with the 76ers lowest in his career, three point yeah. percentage. He has, he's just simply not played well for the 76ers. There is one thing, though, to keep in mind, is that if you look at his stats, time in, in uh, Houston, high high 20s, mid to low 30s, averaging points per game. But then starting his last year in Houston, his assist numbers now average that double-double. 10 assists per game, uh, 10.5 with the, the 76ers, highest since his first year there with the Nets two years ago. But if he can produce through assists – then the 76ers have a solid chance, but you still need James Harden to get his 25 points, his five or six rebounds. You have to hope that he's able to pull out some of those weird kind of behind the back steals that he does on a pretty consistent basis here. But we've seen James Harden lose way more series than we've seen him win. For the 76ers, Joel Embiid is going to get his production, uh, led the league in scoring 30.6 points per game, 11.7 rebounds per game. Absolutely insane. But uh, the other guy, kind of the unsung hero uh, of the team, Tyrese Maxey and Tobias Harris. Uh, both of those guys have had pretty solid seasons um, on, on the year here. Both of those guys averaging 17 points per game. Uh, Harris, six, about seven rebounds. Maxey, another three. Um, uh, both of them averaging right around four assists per game, about half a steal per game. You, Tobias Harris has been that talking point for the 76ers that we've talked about for the last – like four seasons, which is that if he can put up 20 points, five assists, five rebounds, and you get your normal production from Joel Embiid and uh, James Harden, this is a very winnable series for the 76ers. But you have to get guys like Harris and Maxi into rhythm. The whole offense can't focus around Joel Embiid and around James Harden. Your other guys have to get into rhythm because the Raptors are going to come at you at a swarm. All of their starters can put up 15 to 17 plus points per game. And the 76ers can do it too, but not if they're going to be funneling everything on the Harden to Embiid pipeline. It's just not going to work. Um, but uh, let's move on to our uh, predictions here. Skyler is taking the, uh, Oh, hold on. Open the right chat. Um, Skyler is taking the, uh, Raptors in seven. So Mitch, who are you taking Sixers Raptors? Yet again, I'm going to have to agree with Skyler. I have the Raptors in seven as well. I think that the Matisse Thibel not being able to play in Toronto is really going to hurt them. Um, looking at the lineups when he's not in the starting 
lineup, they're eight points worse without him. And he he's like a like all-star defender or all defense level kind of guy. Um, and without him, I think it's going to be really tough. Um, and like I said, you're having to rely on James Harden when he's notorious for choking and you're not sure if he's really going to give a shit and putting it all on Joel Allen Bede. Um, I think we know how he's played this year, uh, being the MVP front runner. Um, he'll definitely make it a series, but you know what, if he has an off night or if they find a way to defend him, who's going to be that guy that showed up? I mean, if we're going a couple of months ago, I said, you know, they have a guy like Steph Curry who can get you uh, the shots you need, but now that he's out of town, um, it's kind of tough. So, and I just think that the Raptors are a team, whereas the Sixers are kind of betting on Joel Embiid and James Harden being that dynamic duo. And, and, and we know that the team's not built around Embiid because they were trying to make, you know, Ben Simmons and Embiid work for so many years. So I, they don't have the, like how the Bucks are built around Giannis. So I'm going to go with the Raptors in seven. I just think they're a team, a better team overall. Raptors in seven. Okay. Um, this is difficult because if you look at these teams, they're, they're actually pretty evenly stacked in terms of points per game, in terms of defensive points per game um, in a lot of different ways. I'm just trying to check the season series as to who won it. I think the Raptors won it three games to yep. one, but I'm just yep. double checking that. Um, yeah. So three games to one. Um, oh, golly wash. This is tough. All right, I I will disagree with both of you. I'm going to take the Sixers in six. Um, I think that not having um, guys like uh, uh, Thibel to play in Toronto is going to be big, but uh, the series starts and ends in uh, Philadelphia. As long as the 76ers don't lose a home game, Maxwell is always going to Maxwell is going to be more available for this series than he's not. Right. So even if it goes to seven, game seven is going to be in Philadelphia. And, and, uh, uh, sorry. And, uh, uh, Thibel is going to be able to play in that game. Um, I, I don't know. Joel Embiid has just kind of been different this season. And even though the 76ers have struggled against the Raptors, a lot of those series came well prior to the James Harden trade. Um, the Raptors ended the, se- the season with some really solid wins, including an overtime win against a, a very good Celtics team. Um, this is a Raptors team that plays very good at home, very good on the road. I think that they're an even split on those. Yeah, 24 and 17 on both. Um, but this is a, a Philadelphia team that is actually better on the road than they are at home. Three more wins on the road than they do at home. Um, yeah, I'm going to take the 76ers in six. I think Embiid is going to be dominant. I think that as long as the 76ers can stay out of foul trouble – I think that the 76ers have bench production that they can, uh, that they can produce. The issue with the Raptors is, is that there's so many guys who can put up 15 or 17 or 20 plus points, but there's nobody on the Raptors team outside of Siakam that I can see taking over a game the way that I could see James Harden or Joel Embiid take over a game. And I think that's going to be the key difference in this series. I'm going to go 76ers and six. So let's move on down to the Western Conference where the uh, 36-win New Orleans Pelicans get into the playoffs over uh, over the Lakers, over the Clippers, over the Spurs, 
it's absolutely fantastic. But let's start out with that one versus eight series as the 64 and 18 Phoenix Suns, reigning Western Conference champions, will host the uh, eight seed New Orleans Pelicans. Talks chance that maybe Zion Williamson uh, returns for this series. It's a possibility. But uh, the Pelicans had to work their way through that play-in tournament, had to beat a Spurs team, um, had, excuse me, and then had to go on the road to a tough Los Angeles Clippers environment and win there. Uh, So, Mitch, what do the Pelicans have to do to win this series? I think what they need to do is kind of what the Celtics figured out how to do. And C.J. McCollum and Brandon Ingram need to have a big game simultaneously because when looking at that play-in tournament, CJ McCollum, the first game, had a big night, and that's, uh, you know, why they were able to win. And then Brandon Ingram obviously winning it for them uh, last night. I just think they need to play good together at the same time instead of, oh, this is going to be CJ's night, this is going to be Brandon's night, um, because Suns are a different breed. Obviously, they've been the best team in the NBA, NBA since the start, and they went to the finals last year. So they're going to need to play their A game. And unfortunately, without having that third person in Zion, uh, CJ McCollum and Brandon Mangrum need to get need to bring it every night together. No, I agree. Um, the Pelicans' big three: McCollum, Ingram, Valanciunas have to play really well, and I say especially Valanciunas. Um, we've seen how effective the uh, the Phoenix Suns are with. Uh, with Chris, not only Chris Paul, but getting the ball into um, uh, DeAndre Ayton and uh, Devin Booker. Like it's, it's been insane. The Phoenix Suns level of production with that being said, the, the Pelicans have guys who can play really well. Larry Nance jr. Had a fantastic game against the Clippers. And even though he hasn't played super well all season, um, if they can get kind of that, that running team going of Valanchunas and and Nance jr. To collect those boards, the, the Pelicans have a real chance and they have some solid young players on this team who can produce. I, this is just the one that's the biggest long shot for me. The Pelicans won 36 games on the year, sub 500 at home, sub 500 on the road, um, eked their way into the playoffs negative in terms of point differential, like they're just not a good team, and this is a very good Suns team. But never say never. Um, Mitch, what do the Suns have to do to take care of business? Honestly, I think they just have to stay healthy. Um, you know, as long as you know their big three, Chris Paul, Devin Booker, and DeAndre Ayton, stay healthy, and everyone can make their shot fall, I think they shouldn't sweat this series at all. Uh, no, absolutely. They, they, there's no reason for the uh, Suns to really be sweating this series. Um, uh, they're, they're just too good. Like the Suns are just too good. There's, there's no doubt about that. This is a Suns team that is to me as good as the 72 and nine or 73 and nine Warriors team was a couple of years ago. This is just a very well-built, well-coached team top to bottom. Um, and it's going to be uh it's going to be a Herculean effort for the Suns to fuck this up. Like for the Suns to lose this series, there's going to have to be a dramatic and almost cartoonish level of fuckery that's going to have to happen um, 
for the Suns to not win this series. Skyler is taking the Suns in five. Mitch, Suns Pelicans, who are you taking? Yeah, I'm going to go Suns in five as well. Um, I don't think it's going to be a clean sleep just because of how scrappy and how much of a dog uh, the Pelicans team is. So I think they could definitely win that first game at home in game three. Um, but I think the biggest like disadvantage is just the Pelicans defense. Um, looking at the numbers, this, the Suns have the ninth best three-point offense, Pelicans 23rd and three-point. The Suns, the best offense from the field, Pelicans 21st from the field for defense. And Jonas Valanciunas guarding DeAndre Aiden's the two times they were able to play against each other. DeAndre Aiden was able to shoot 75% and 64%. Um, you know, if Chris Paul and, De- and Devin Booker are themselves and Valanciunas is going to let Aiden shoot 75-64% from the field, it's going to be fucking tough. Um, so I think they can get that first game at home, but otherwise the Suns got this. Yeah, I'm, this is my only clean sweep, and it might be my only one through the entire playoffs. I, I got the Suns in four. There's no reason that the Suns shouldn't sweep these guys. Um, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if the Pelicans win a game, but if it's anything more than a game, I would almost be worried for the Suns. You know, um, this is a Suns team that they're almost kind of too too good to fail, and that worries me a little bit. But if there's any team if there's any player in the NBA that I have irrefutable confidence in, it is Chris Paul. Um, We've sung his praises a million times throughout uh, our our various episodes of the podcast here, but Chris Paul is a fantastic player. Deandre Ayton and Devin Booker have turned into maybe the most effective big man guard combination in maybe since like Tony Parker and Tim Duncan, like, Real and, and even then, like that doesn't do justice because Devin Booker is a way better scorer than Tony Parker was. Um, maybe since like Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett, like it's it's been a while since Shaq and Kobe, like that level of those guys, those guys play so well together and are so effective that if one of them has an off night, the other guy can easily pick up for uh pick up the slack. But if they both even just have average nights, um, the Sun should win this series pretty easily. Um Let's move on here to our, uh, I call it our bottom feeders edition of the playoffs, which is the seventh seed uh, Minnesota Timberwolves. First playoff appearance since 2018 when Jimmy Butler was on the team, taking on the two seed Memphis Grizzlies, a team that we were high on walking into the season, but I think far exceeded our expectations given even the injuries to John Morant throughout the season. Uh, Mitch, what do the... Minnesota Timberwolves have to do to pull off this massive upset against the two-seeded Grizzlies? Honestly, I think for them, I think uh, I think their big three has to play to their peak. Like Carl Anthony Towns, like you were talking about the other night, he's got to be not afraid to go against guys who are you know, smaller than him yeah. and not follow out and not have the team be better when he's out. So Carl Anthony Towns has got to be that guy playing on defense and shooting threes and all that jazz. Um, you know, and Edwards just got to continue what he does. And D'Angelo Russell has to make it seem like he's on the team because I mean, that Timberwolves game that I, you forget that D'Angelo Russell leave is, is even their starting point guard. Um, cause he did absolutely nothing. So I think those three guys need to do what they do best each and every night. Uh, no, abs- absolutely. Um, 
I was so hyped for Carl Anthony Towns walking into that that play-in game and was so massively disappointed in his performance. Um, 11 points, 3 of 11 from the field, 5 rebounds, 3 assists, 6 personal fouls. He had 4 fouls before the first half was even over. Um, it, it was one of the most disappointing – uh, playoff debuts, if I'm not mistaken. Um, uh, or no, he did play in the 2018 series. Um, it, it was one of the most disappointing playoff performances I've seen out of, out of a big guy that I've just, I really, I, I love Carl Anthony Towns. I love his story. I love his, his play, but he's just gotta be physical. Like just drive the ball. Like you're a monster of a human being drive the ball. The Clippers were throwing zoo backs at you and Morris and some of these other guys and Batum, and you just couldn't blow through them. Anytime Carl Anthony Towns tried to go through a guy or tried to try to use his, his body size or his leverage, the second he got a little bit of pushback, he gave up. Anthony Towns just gave up. And, and then he's taking these, these wild shots, these random shots, and he's having to worry about guys like, uh, like Edwards putting up 30 points per game or 30 points or Russell having a really fantastic game um, for them to succeed. And listen, I love Anthony Edwards. I love D'Angelo Russell. I love Patrick Beverly to a certain extent, but Carl Anthony Towns has to get his buckets. He has to get his boards. He has to be effective in order for the Timberwolves to stand a chance because that was kind of a one-off game against the Clippers. And I love the outreach of, or the, uh, the showing of love and support from the Minnesota fan base, but you've got to get more out of Carl Anthony Towns throughout this whole series. The, the Timberwolves cannot afford a single game like like uh, Anthony Towns had against the Clippers at all in this series uh, if the Timberwolves have any hope of winning. Uh, let's hop over to the Grizzlies. Uh, two seed in the uh, in the West, 56 and 26 on the season. Mitch, what do the Grizzlies have to do to beat Carl Anthony Towns and the Timberwolves? Honestly, just keep doing what you're doing. Um, as long as they – do what they do. I think they'll be fine. Uh, they just can't like overlook the Timberwolves. Cause if they start thinking like, Oh, we got, you know, they're not that good. We got this. Who are we playing next? If they like have that mentality or just too arrogant, I think the Timberwolves could definitely, you know, make the comeback and uh, upset them. So as long as they just do what they do, I mean, obviously it's worked whether John Moran's with them or not, it doesn't matter. As long as they keep that mentality, I think they'll be just fine. Absolutely. Um, the key, the key player to watch in this series for me isn't John Morant. It's not Darius Bain. It's not Dylan Brooks. It's not Justin Jackson. It's a uh, Stephen Adams. It's the Kiwi center man. He is going to be the key. <laughs> And, and the reason is, is that Steven Adams can offer the type of resistance that Carl Anthony Towns is going to have to work through. And I don't know, watching Carl Anthony Towns in that last game, I was just so disappointed. And I don't know if Carl Anthony Towns is going to be able to work through Steven Adams. He's 12th in the league in rebounding. So he averages exactly 10 rebounds per game, only seven points. But Steven Adams is a very underrated passer. He's a very underrated defender. He's a very underrated um uh, screen uh, player. He, he is so effective at that from all those years of playing with uh, Russell Westbrook and then Paul George and, and Chris Paul and stuff. Um, he's going to be the matchup there because the, the backcourt for Memphis is clearly better, but the, the uh, 
front court for the Timberwolves is where they have their advantage with Carl Anthony Towns. And if the Grizzlies and Steven Adams can just neutralize or frustrate Carl Anthony Towns, if they can get him into some foul trouble early on throughout these series, this should be a walk away for them. Um, the other reason that I really like the Grizzlies is uh, a Lee uh, 30 and 11 at home on the season for the, uh, for the, Timberwolves to win this series, they're going to have to steal a game on the road where they're 500 on the season, actually sub 500, 20 and 21. Um, but the Grizzlies are very good at home, winning about three out of four of them. So Grizzlies just got to take care of business at home and they'll be perfectly fine. Uh, Skyler is taking the uh, Grizzlies in seven, I believe. Uh, sorry, Grizzlies in five um, over the, oh. yeah, I'm sorry, Grizzlies oh, in five. Um, over the uh, Timberwolves. Mitch, who are you taking? Yeah, I'm going to go Grizzlies in five as well. Um, I think the Timberwolves are definitely good enough to get at least one at home. Um, but Memphis is just in a class of its own. It's got a better point differential by three. They have the better defense. They're 20 and five without their star player. And they lead the league in steals, blocks, rebounds. Um, and Minnesota also committed the second most fouls of the season. So if you're able to get guys like John Moran, Desmond Bain, Dylan Brooks um, on the foul line to get some free throws, it's going to be tough. But I think they're good enough to get at least one at home. No, I agree. I, I agree with both of you. I'm going to go Grizzlies in five. Um, the reason that I really like this Grizzlies team is their ability to both play very fast basketball led by John Morant but also their ability to slow the game down to the pace that they want to play at and be dominant in doing so. Um, the production that you've gotten out of guys like Brooks and Bain and Jackson on the year without having, um, without having John Morant for how many games did he miss on the season? John Morant missed quite a few. Uh, they haven't had 25 games on the season. Um, it, it has been absolutely insane that the Grizzlies have been as effective because last year, if you said that John Morant missed 25 games, the Grizzlies aren't even in the play-in tournament, you know, like yeah. it's been such a massive jump for the Grizzlies this year um, who've played so well, so well at home, so well uh, on the road and have been 36 and 16 in conference versus a 32 and 20 uh, mark for the Timberwolves. Um, the, the Grizzlies are just a better team overall. I'm going to take Grizzlies in five. So uh, let's move on here to uh, the Joker heads to the Bay as uh, Nikola Jokic and the Denver Nuggets at the sixth seed will travel to three-seeded Golden State. A healthy Klay Thompson, a healthy Seth Curry, uh, Steph Curry, a healthy Draymond Green. Um, very daunting task for a Nuggets team. Mitch, what do the Nuggets have to do to win this series? Um, I think – the rest of the team just has to step up um, and be consistent in that because, you know, the biggest thing with the Nuggets is they look like this good team because they have, you know, the Joker. Um, but with, the, you know, Jamal Murray not being there the past two seasons and Michael Porter Jr. injury issues starting the show, they don't have their big three. And so it's going to be up to, you know, the rest of the guys to really step up um, consistently and give Jokic some help. Um, because you know, he's good enough to make this a series. Um, but to win a series, it's going to be up to, you know, the other starters in the bench to do their job and really give them some fucking help. My God. No, I mean, absolutely. Like this is going to come down to how well 
this series is just going to come down to how well everybody else on the Nuggets plays. You know, whether it's Aaron Gordon, Will Barton, um, Morris, uh, Jeff Green. Yeah, but like they, they all have to play almost insane series for them to, to win. And the thing is that the Nuggets have bench players that can be effective. Like they have um, – I really like the, the Kimpazo guy that they have, even though he's kind of a dirty player. Um, I like he's out Austin. For game one. Yeah, he is out for game one. Um, like they've got Austin Rivers on the bench who's played in 67 games for them this year, but he's only averaged six points. There just hasn't been the production out of the Nuggets that you really would have liked to see. And a huge part of that is not having Jamal Murray and is not having uh, Michael Porter Jr. But even Michael Porter Jr. was playing the nine games he played in, only averaged 9.9 points per game. Wasn't giving you much production as is. Now, Jokic is a monster of a different breed. Uh, 27 points, almost 14 rebounds per game, eight assists, uh, averaging a steal and a half, a block, uh, only four turnovers and less than three fouls per game. Absolutely insane. His PER rating is double anyone else on the team, uh, with the exception of of DeMarcus Cousins, who is, uh, I don't even think is expected to play in this series at all. Um, Like, that's absolutely, it's absolutely insane. Um, But Jokic is going to have to have 45 a night for the Nuggets to even stand a chance in this series. And everybody else on the team is going to have to have really solid performances. Um, everyone on the Nuggets starting team has to average, I would say, 15 to 17 points throughout this series for the Nuggets to stand a chance. And considering that they've only got uh, one other guy on the team besides Jokic, who averages 15 points per game, and Aaron Gordon, that's going to be a daunting task. Um, but let's move over to the uh, the Warriors. Mitch, what do the Warriors have to do to uh, win this series against the Nuggets? Um, I think they're going to have to get Mr. Miyagi to do some, you know, healing on that Steph uh, injury. True. Um, um, but yeah, I think for the, what the Warriors need to do is one, they're going to have to hope that Draymond is a hundred percent because they're going to need a hundred percent to uh, be able to guard Jokic. Otherwise they really don't have a guy who can do it. And if that happens, you know, they could get upset in a, in a big hurry. Um, so they just got to figure out a way to defend Jokic without having, you know, the big men to do it. Um, and, you know, Steph will be Steph and Clay will be Clay. Um, but I think it, it's going to come down to Andrew Wiggins being the guy that we've seen Golden State and shedding off that bus level, being that productive third or fourth member. Um because I think if he falters like he's kind of done a little bit uh, the second half of the season, um, it, it could really hurt them. So I think it comes down to finding out how to defend Jokic and Andrew Wiggins being consistent. I absolutely agree. Um, the Warriors are just a team that, to me, top to bottom is stacked. Because even if Curry isn't 100% and he's probable to play in this game, even if Green isn't 100%, um, Clay Thompson has played very well in the 32 games that he's played so far this season. Jordan Poole has played fantastic. Andrew Wiggins has played really well. Kaminga has played really solid for the minutes that he gets. He only averages about 16 minutes per game, but averages nine points, three rebounds and assist uh, per game. You've still got guys like Otto Porter Jr. Sitting on your bench. You've still got guys like, um, 
uh, Kayvon Looney sitting on your bench, who played in all 82 games this season and started in 80 of them. Um, you've still got Andre Iguodala, who isn't as effective offensively, <laughs> but can still be a solid defensive piece every now and then. Um, Give me Iguodala. Iguodala is sitting on the bench. Like, this is just a Warriors team that is so good top to bottom that even if you're not getting the production out of Curry or Thompson or Wiggins or Green or whatever it might be, I still have full confidence that there's some guy on this team who's going to go off because it's felt like at various points this whole season, we've watched, oh, Jordan Poole have a ridiculous game. Oh, Otto Porter Jr. having a really solid game. Andrew Wiggins having a solid game. Kaminga has had some really solid games. Like they're just a team top to bottom that has a bunch of dogs who can put up. I don't, I don't know if it's an excessive amount of points who can put up a dominant fashion, but can be good enough to keep you competitive. I think in almost any game in this league. Um, so the Warriors just have to trust their rotation. Um, they just have to trust their guys when they say that they're healthy. And I think that the Warriors would really benefit from a minute count. Only one guy on the Warriors averages 30, uh, more than 34 points per, per game. And that's Seth, Cur- or that's Steph Curry. God damn it. It's the second time I've done that. Um, everybody else averages 32 or less. Uh, the next highest is Andrew Wiggins at 31.9. So, uh, almost all of your starters are sitting out for fully uh, a third of the game. Um, And they're still the three seed in the Western conference. That's absolutely insane. Um, So we'll move on to our uh, uh, prediction here. Um, Skyler is going to be taking the warriors in seven. He thinks the nuggets are going to make it a series. Mitch, who are you taking? I'm going to go warriors in six. Um, I just think that there's a couple things that are going the, the Nuggets way to make it a series. Um, and like I said before, with Steph Curry not being 100%, um, even if he's going to be playing, we all know that for the Warriors to be the Warriors, they need Steph Curry to be Steph Curry. Um, and with him not being 100%, I think that helps the Nuggets. And with uh, Draymond Green, I know he's been back for a couple of games, but – um, with him just coming back after being gone for like two months um, and probably not a hundred percent going against Jokic. Um, and I don't know who else is going to defend him unless they just put Draymond on the, on Jokic for how many minutes Jokic plays and Jokic plays insane amount of minutes compared to like you just said to the rest of these guys. Um, I think it gives them an opportunity to really make this a series, but in the end, the Warriors are a better team, and like you said, if some guys don't aren't having nights, there's a ton of other guys who can have a night. So I got Warriors in six. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm even more confident the Warriors. I'm gonna go Warriors in five. I don't know that this is a Nuggets team that's good enough to win more than one of these playoff games. I just don't like. I have faith in Nikola Jokic. I don't have faith in anyone else on that team. Aaron Gordon hasn't been worth uh, really the time that they've invested in him. Um, I think that if they got healthy again and they got Porter jr. Back and they got Murray back, it'd be a very different story uh, because then we could talk about Aaron Gordon averaging 15 points per game and be like, that's solid. That is solid production. But when you're the number two guy, you can't average 15 points per game. You got to be better than that. Um, When it comes to warriors, I'm not super worried about Draymond green because Kayvon Looney has played in all 82 games this season And though he's not as good offensively or defensively as Jokic and certainly not as good defensively as Draymond Green would be, he's adequate enough to let the Warriors run the offense that they want to run. 
Um, so I'm going to take the Warriors in five. I just, I have no faith in the Nuggets, other players besides Jokic to do anything worth a damn in this series. Um, the Nuggets probably good enough to win one of those games. Jokic could have an absolutely insane performance, but if Jokic has to sit at the three point line to try to keep his team in the game, the way that we saw him have to do against the Lakers in the play-in series or in the, uh, the bubble series, um, the way that we've seen him have to do in some of these series before, it's just not going to be effective. It's not, it, they're not going to win many, if any of these games. Uh, so let's move on to our five, four uh, last playoff matchup here as the Utah jazz will travel to Dallas to take on Luka Doncic and the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, Mitch, what do the jazz have to do to finally win a fucking playoff series? Um, it's been a ridiculous game, a season for the jazz. I'd have to go and check it, but what they've blown multiple 18 point leads throughout this season. Yeah. It's been absolutely insane. What do the jazz have to do to, to beat uh, Luca and the maps? Um, I think you just hit the nail on the head. The only thing they really have to do is not blow leads. Um, it's kind of crazy how when they have a lead, they suck, but when they're down, they're a pretty amazing team. Um, I don't know what they need to do to not blow leads, but they just got to be consistent. Um, and especially with the gift that they're going to be getting and Luca being out game one and his chances for game two not looking as great. Um, they have to take what the Mavs are going to be giving them every game and really hit on their opportunities. Because um, if they're not going to be – if they can't beat a Mavs team without Luca for, you know, at least two games – uh, they're going to have to go to the drawing board, you know, uh, organization wise. No, absolutely. Uh, the Luka Doncic injury is, that's going to be the storyline through this series. The The way that I see this series coming down is that if, if Doncic, if the Mavs can win one of two possible games without Doncic, there's no reason the Mavs lose this series because once he's healthy and he's back, they'll be solid. If I'm the Nuggets to win this series, it's it's pretty simple. I look at my big men versus Dallas's big men. Rudy Gobert is a solid, outstanding defensive player, and the best big man on the Mavs is Dwight Powell, eight points, five rebounds a game. Yeah. You know, uh, or it's uh, Dorian Finney-Smith, eleven points, five rebounds per game, like. That's that's it. There's no production there. And without Doncic, there's no production really anywhere else on this team. Brunson and Dinwiddie have had solid seasons. Tim Hardaway Jr. is going to get his buckets every now and then. But when you're when the player that leads you in all categories except for blocks is out for the first two games, that's tough. Dallas's saving grace, though, is that those two games are at home, 29 and 12 at home on the season, while the Jazz are 20 and 21 on the road. That's their saving grace. Um, but if I'm the jazz pop them in the mouth early, run your, uh, I would run both big men in Hassan Whiteside and Rudy Gobert the entire game. I firmly believe that the jazz lost any and all hopes of being a massively competitive team. The second they traded Joe Ingles to Portland, I thought that that was the dumbest move I've seen all season long. And I think that you can see that play out with how they've played this season, but Donovan Mitchell cannot be the playoff Donovan Mitchell that we've seen throughout his career. He has to be consistent. He has to put up production. And we just have not seen that throughout his career with the jazz. Jordan Clarkson has to be better. 
um, uh, than he's played in some of these playoff series, especially last season. Uh, Mike Conley has to be the guy that the Jazz thought he was going to be. 13 points, three rebounds, five assists per game. That's that's nothing for what you're paying him, and that's nothing for what you paid to get him. Uh, but then Bogdanovich, their second-best player on the team, really, he's got to be solid from the three-point line. The Nuggets have a chance to win this series because Luka is hurt. But it's going to come down to can they win one of those two games on uh, or can they start the season at the series out 2-0 without Doncic for the Mavs. Let's hop over to the Mavs. Obviously, as we've stated, no Luka Doncic for the first two games, most likely. Uh, what do the Mavs have to do to win this series? I think all they have to, I think for them to have a chance, they have to win game one and two without Luka. Um with it being at home, I think that's a huge advantage. But, you know, whether it's Dory Finney-Smith, Jalen Brunson, Spencer Dinwiddie, Dwight Powell, they all have to dig deep and get these games um, at home. Because if they just let the Jazz walk in and let Donovan Mitchell be Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert be Rudy Gobert and get those games, and then it might be too late once uh, they get back to Utah and Luka's there because – then the Jazz will have home court advantage, um, and it could be a short series. So I think the key is winning those first two games at home because with, and I think they need both of them. I think they can't go one and one either. So as long as they win those first two games, they have a chance. Yeah, I mean, I obviously, like I agree. If if they win the first two games of the series um, and then get Luca back, I think that the series is pretty much over at that point. Um, if I'm the Mavs, I, I, if I'm the Mavericks, I just need to win one of those two games without Luca. Like that's the way that I view it is that if I can win one of those two games without Luca, given how, like, I, I mean, the, the Mavs Clippers series that we've had, what each of the last two seasons before this have been some of the best basketball I've ever watched. And now the Mavs have the benefit of, they don't have to have Chris Jobs Porzingis out there on the court doing anything for him, you know? So not having Luca hurts, but the, the Mavs are a good enough team to win one of those two without him. Hopefully you get him back game three when you head to Utah. But if, if the Mavs can keep that as a tied series, they'll have a solid chance. I look at the Mavs team and I, I'm trying to figure out where is this other production going to come from without Luka Doncic. And there's, there's guys on the team that I, I do like, you know, I like David Bertans. He had 32 points against the bucks a couple nights ago. Um, I like Reggie Bullock. He can put up some serious production and all of those guys are going to play a lot more minutes. Um, the Mavericks have tons of guys who have played 60, 65 plus games this season, but they just haven't put up any production here for the Mavs to win this series. A, you got to get Luca back as soon as possible. B, you have to win one of those two home games and you'll be in fine shape. If you can win both, I think the series is sealed. You've got to win one of those two. You have to, to try to keep the game slow, play as solid defense as you can, um, and hope that at some point the Jazz have an 18-point lead. You know, um, that's that's really all you can do as as uh, for the Mavericks there until you get Doncic back. So, uh, Mitch, uh, uh, series predictions here. Um, Skyler is taking the Mavericks in six. Who are you taking? I'm going to go with the Jazz in four. Um, it, it's just because I don't have the confidence in the Mavs without Luka. Um, 
you know, without having them for him game one, not looking good for game two. Um, I just think the Jazz are a way better team, obviously. And then they're going to be able to get it at home um, in games three and four. I just think it's a, a huge advantage. And unless the Jazz are going to blow it games one and two in spectacular fashion, and it's just going to take a lot for them to get both games. And even though you're more confident with them just getting one, I just, for some reason, I just think they need both games. And I don't know if they have the guys to win two games in a row. So I'm going to go with the Jazz in four. Yeah, I guess – I mean, I guess what I'll clarify is is that if this series starts 0-2 to, uh, for the Mavs and then Luka gets back, I think this series is over. If this series is 1-1 or 2-0 Mavs by the time Luka gets back, the Mavs have a solid chance at winning this series. I'm going to take the Jazz in six because I agree with you. I just don't know if this is a Mavericks team that's good enough to, to put up – to win these games without Luka. And then Luka's going to come back with a cap strain, and that's not – an injury that you just wake up one morning and it's gone. You know, it's, it it is a tough injury to try to play through. And with how much they're going to rely on Luca to drive to the paint, to get into transition, to run that offense, even if he comes back for game three or he comes back for game four and he says he's a hundred percent, I don't think it's going to be too long before, uh, before he gets hurt again. And the fact of the matter is, is that Rudy Gobert is still the best defensive big man in the NBA. And he is sitting there against a Mavericks team that does not have production against big men. If this was a Mavericks team that had Giannis or had Joel or had Jokic on the team, I'd feel a lot more confident. I'm going to take Jazz in six. I think once Luka comes back, he's going to make the series competitive. But I think that the Mavs are just going to fall behind too uh, too quickly um, and uh, an insurmountable deficit by the time that they get a healthy Luka Doncic back um, in order to play. But an injured Luka Doncic, as we've seen in some of those games against the Clippers in some previous series, a, a unhealthy Luka Doncic is still a force to be reckoned with in the NBA. Um, so uh, that's our playoff prediction there. Um, we will keep a close eye on the first round of playoffs. Uh, our next episode, we will be talking about um, the playoff series as they kind of occur and looking ahead to some of the, uh, the semifinals, the conference finals and the NBA finals. Eventually uh, March madness is over. The NFL draft is in 12 days. Yeah. The, we got like two weeks from uh, this past Thursday. Yeah. So in about 12 days, the NFL draft happens. The USFL starts uh, this weekend. Today. 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 The USFL starts today. Um, the XFL starts here pretty soon again. Um, uh, baseball is in full swing. Uh, a couple of games, about like eight to 10 games into the se- uh, season so far, depending on who you're with. Um, and mm-hmm. college football spring games have already started. Recruiting for college basketball has started up. Uh, there is some awesome sports stuff that is happening here over these next couple of weeks, and we're excited to bring it to you. Uh, we posted our last episode. Uh, follow us on everything, Facebook, Twitter, Spotify, um, uh, you can listen, uh, really anywhere that you get your podcast, Spotify, um, a Google podcast, a radio. Now the only one I don't think we're up on is the Apple podcast, uh, because fuck Apple. Um, but, uh, we, we appreciate everybody for tuning in and send us your guys' thoughts. Email us at fourth string SP at gmail.com. We did actually get an email, um, that I did plan on reading off this episode, but we're going to do it when Skylar is on there. So for that listener, um, who sent us the email in regards to, uh, the, 
uh, their opinion on the Lakers question, the Lakers poll that we had posted, um, we will uh, we'll read off your email uh, on our next episode. We appreciate everybody for tuning in. Um, we'll, we also did run that Twitter poll. Uh, keep track of that, you guys. We're going to be running a lot more stuff on there um, over these next couple of weeks. So we appreciate everybody for tuning in. Have a fantastic night, and uh, just be excited. The NBA playoffs are here. <laughs>